This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Well, that was a positive international break. And not just on the men's senior front. In fact, all England age groups have performed well. We'll go through all those results later on. And there's also some news of some silverware heading to St George's Park. Stay tuned. Now, also coming up on this episode, we'll talk with Dom Smith from EnglandFootball.org about both those Euro 2020 qualifying games at Wembley and Southampton, plus something new. We'll also speak with a Bulgarian fan and a Kosovan supporter and get their reactions to the past two games. Let's get into it then. England came into the latest round of qualifiers off the back of victories over the Czech Republic and Montenegro, 5-0 and 5-1 respectively. Bulgaria up first at Wembley, anticipation was high for another high score, what with the Lions of Bulgaria bottom of Group A without a win. Whilst there was speculation as to whether any of the new call-ups would make a start, Gareth Southgate went pretty much with what he knew. Pickford in goal, a back four of Trippier, Maguire, Keane and Rose, a midfield three of Henderson, Rice and Barkley, and a front three of Sterling, Kane and Rashford. Mason Mount made his first appearance midway through the second half for Jordan Henderson. Sancho and Oxlade-Chamberlain also joined in in the second half. Bulgaria pretty much showed why they're in the position they're in, as England pretty much done the bare minimum, which resulted in a 4-0 victory. A hat-trick for Harry Kane, including two penalties, both dispatched to opposite sides of the goal, and Raheem Sterling added the other. To be honest, wasn't the most of exciting games, despite the amount of goals. I spent the majority of it with my hand blocking out the sun that bore down on the goal England attacked in the second half. So, on it was to Southampton the following Tuesday, in a game I went on record as saying would be tight, possibly one goal in it, 1-0, 2-1, I doubt very much that anyone saw a 5-3 victory coming. Three changes to the side that faced Bulgaria. Both fullbacks switched. Out went Rose and Trippier. And in came Chilwell and Alexander-Arnold. And Jaden Sancho replaced Marcus Rashford. I'd never been to St Mary's before. Decent stadium. Liked it. A one-tier bowl all the way round. Similar to Leicester's King Power situated on what appeared to be an industrial estate down by the docks. Plenty of Kosovan support around the ground beforehand, blowing of air horns, cheering, etc. No trouble, although it has to be said the queues to get into the ground were quite excessive and took their time. Despite there being security on the gates, from what I saw, they didn't do a great deal other than take away the occasional bottle from people. So there didn't really seem to be any sort of reason as to why it took so long to get in. Still, I got in the ground. Sitting in the chapel stand for the whole 90 minutes, which is more than some. No thanks to the unfortunate issue on the motorway coming into Southampton, where it appears some missed the whole first half. Now, they not only missed Kosovo's score after 34 seconds, 
which I can only remember San Marino scoring quicker back in 93. But they also missed England score five to make the half-time score 5-1 in England's favour. Two goals from Jaden Sancho, one from Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane and throw in an unfortunate Kosovan own goal. Now the second half was equally bizarre as Kosovo scored twice and Harry Kane missed a penalty. Shock of shocks. That's pretty much the bare facts, but here to mull it over a bit more is Dom Smith from englandfootball.org. Hello. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, yeah. We finally met up yesterday, didn't we? We did. Put faces to the names, names to faces, as we uh, as we like to say. Exactly, yeah. So let's start with Bulgaria. I mean, I guess we haven't really got a great deal to... I think I've pretty much covered it there, Bulgaria, but what were your thoughts on it? Well, you're right, we don't have a great deal to talk about, but actually Gareth would probably like it that way because he doesn't want, you know, if we'd won that game 4-2, then we'd be talking about it a bit more, but that's not what he wants. He wants a clean sheet and he wants his team to score lots of goals. If Rashford had put that lovely 1-2 chance away in the 85th minute, we would have been coming off saying we've won 5-0. And do you know what? I I would have come away with a uh, a little 11-1, £1 bet on that 5-0. Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) See, another reason why Rashford needs to improve on his shooting there, you see. <laughs> I won't hold it against him. No, I don't think we should. He's an England international, so. But yeah, it would, it would have been good to get five. But, you know, four, three points, as you say, and, a, and just the win is, is what was needed. Exactly. And Harry Kane had his two penalties. OK, I know he missed one against Kosovo, but it was a good penalty. The two against Bulgaria were, were even better. And I was I was impressed by Sterling. I thought he played really well. I thought he arguably was actually our man of the match in both games. Declan Rice, he's really good at, um, at winning the ball back. No, nothing really to know. I think we scored we, we scored four goals. All four of them were probably gifted to us by our opponent somewhere along the line. Two of the, the, those two fouls were just ridiculous challenges that they were never going to win the ball for. But um, we wanted to to win the game to make it three out of three. We won it four nil. What you can't really complain about that. Yeah, I mean the the Bulgarians' first or, or England's first goal came through the uh, the unfortunate error that the the Bulgarians made with their goal kick, which which wasn't well, the first time we actually capitalised on it, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was all. I honestly think it was always going to happen. That was. I mean, th- he didn't have enough conviction on his passes out. He didn't look like he actually wanted to be doing it. And there was a every time it happened, it was either sent back to the goalie who would whack it up the field, or it was sent back to a, um, a centre back from fullback who'd whack it up the field. So, if you're going to end up punting it up the field anyway, there really isn't any point in doing it. I mean, we'll, we will go to to Bulgaria next month. Um, I, they'll still be bottom of the group, I'm sure, but it might be a little uh, different kettle of fish in in their own backyard it may well be but I, I think this group is really really interesting I mean before we started our first qualifiers in March I, I think um, I'm pretty sure Montenegro and the Czech Republic and Bulgaria the other three teams other than us and Kosovo I think I think they were ranked about six places apart from each other in the FIFA world, world rankings something like 42nd 44th and 48th I mean right. I don't even see how they can be in different pots if they're ranked that closely but there we are, and it is proving to be the case that actually they're similar tests. That they're they're all playing a similar level of football. Kosovo, I'd probably say, are are about the same. I, I think all 
four teams in this group are of a similar level. Like, okay, we struggled against Kosovo last night. I don't think there's any outright minnow, and I don't think there's any outright best team. I think they're all at a similar level, and then there's England, who are going to romp to the top of this group, and if they don't win every game, they've done something embarrassingly wrong. And it does um, sort of back up what Gareth Southgate, I heard him say uh, that maybe the the training that they do at St George's Park needs to be a little bit more intense uh, for some of these qualifiers that they're, they're playing. Oh, I haven't heard him say that, but um, yeah, anything that's going to ramp up the pressure on those players and make them feel like they're involved in a tournament before they actually are, that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on then to the Kosovo game. Um, what a what a seesaw game that was last night. I, did you get into the ground all right? Were you, were you there on time? Yeah, I was there in plenty of time. I had a lovely doner kebab, um, which settled <laughs> which settled my nerves. But they all came back in the second half. Goodness me! Yes. Um, well, I mean, thirty four seconds. I mean, <laughs> we we just took. Took our eye off the ball, Michael Keane, um, and, and a communication with Harry Maguire. Gareth Southgate must have been pulling his hair out just there. Oh my goodness me, yeah. And it's it's um it's pertinent that it is Gareth Southgate pulling his hair out because the last person to score in exactly the thirty fourth second of an inter- England international was Gareth Southgate. Really? Yeah, in two thousand and three oh. against South Africa, he scored in the thirty fourth minute, thirty fourth second. Sorry. A 34 second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there you, there you go. I mean, I've, as I uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm sure that's the this one of the quickest goals we conceded since the uh, the San Marino game, where they scored after about seven or eight seconds. Uh, I can't yeah. think I can't think off the top of my head any any quicker goals that we conceded. I'm sure someone will will put me right if if you don't before the end of this conversation. <laughs> well, I know that we've scored many goals faster than that, something like five. Um, right. Uh, I think Tommy Lawton against Portugal in the 40s or 50s scored after 12 seconds. Yeah, I remember um, that one. Yeah, I think we won 10 <laughs> or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you were there, were you? I believe yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that old. Not that old, honestly. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, one nil down, but we, we sort of, Put our heads down and and came away with with a five one half time score. Mm. Um, as you say, Raheem Sterling, you you put him down as one of your your man of the matches. I'm, I'm, he got his goal. Um, it was a header, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The shortest man on the field beating the tallest man on the field, and they're club teammates, of course, because the Kosovan goalie is a, a Manchester City um, academy graduate. So yeah. Uh, and I mean, he, he was a he is a tall lad, and and to be fair, that that pink goalkeeping outfit didn't really do him any favours. I must admit. No, it's uh, it's a bit of a contrast, that isn't it? Yeah, um, but, I mean, Raheem Sterling. I'm trying to think. I think it was the Harry Kane goal where he picked it up in the middle of the park, or, or one possession in the middle, and yeah. just ran um, at the at the Kosovan defence and and just slid into Harry Kane, who who put it away. Yeah, he did have a good game, Raheem Sterling, I believe. Was was he man of the match? He was given man of the match, yeah. And we were sat literally right by one of the by the corner flag where Harry Kane scored that goal. I mean that we were on the bottom row and there was no one sat closer to that corner flag. And when I saw Sterling do that turn, um I just thought, right, Kosovo are done here. Because if you if you let him turn you, you are not going to be able to recover and catch up with him when he starts sprinting at you. You just won't. Mm. Yeah, so so Raheem Sterling he got his goal. 
uh, Harry Kane has say got his. I mean, Jaden Sancho. I, when we spoke before the game, you said you thought he would score, and not only did he score, but he got a second one as well. Yeah, and um, it was ele- I think it was eleven years to the day since uh, Theo Walcott became England's youngest ever hat trick scorer, and I just jokingly tweeted that uh, it was time for Jaden Sancho to break the record. But little did I know it, he was going to score twice and assist once. I, I still haven't decided who I'd rather have in that position out of Sancho and, and Rashford. I think they, they both give you different things. I think Sancho is obviously a provider and he gets himself into positions that he can score tap-ins. I mean, both of his goals were basically tap-ins. Whereas Rashford is a bit more, I would say, a bit more talented. He can strike a ball better. But yeah, his decision-making isn't as good, even even though he's a little older. So I'd probably edge towards Sancho. Um, but I think... Um, Actually, I think it's been a bit of an unfortunate international break for Rashford. I mean, he, he started in the front three against Bulgaria and the other two of the front three scored, Kane and Sterling, and then all three of the front three scored against Kosovo. So he's the only one to come out, uh, come away without a goal. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame for him that, but um, he, listen, he's an England international through and through. He's, I think he's, he's 21 years of age and we've been talking about him for five or six seasons now. So uh, oh, he, he shouldn't worry. He should not oh. worry. No, no, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And when he came on as a, uh, a substitute for the last, what was it, five or ten minutes last night, he, he had a couple of opportunities and, and he really showed his strength um, down on the... Uh, it, was, it was almost where I was standing behind the goal. Uh, right. You could see how, how much he wanted to get involved. He, he wants to be an England player. Um, and, yeah, it's a shame he didn't get his, get his name on the score sheet, but he's still got chances to... To do that with the the upcoming qualifiers next month, Jaden Sancho, as I say, we he got his two goals. Harry Kane got a hat trick on Saturday. Raheem Sterling he got a hat trick in the previous qualifier. I was kind of hoping that when the penalty came round for England, um, that Jaden Sancho would have the opportunity to take it, um, and he was standing there wanting it but but Harry Kane oh, yeah. I didn't think took, about that. took it away from him and I thought it would have been a uh, I thought it would have been a nice touch to at least give him the chance to to try and get a hat trick yeah he should have shouted a bit louder because uh, no. if Harry had heard him I reckon he would have given him the chance well, I think Harry Harry took the ball from him or he oh, just okay. he just said no I'm having this uh, but to be fair to keep him I'd say he's, he's a big big keeper and he he made himself count there and, and saved that one. It's not often you have a uh, a missed Harry Kane penalty, is it? No, it's not. But actually, I don't I, I don't count that as a missed penalty. I don't count Jordan Henderson's one in the World Cup as a missed penalty. If you hit the target, and both of them hit the target really well, I mean, right in the corner, David Ospina and Murich last night, they're both brilliant saves. People might forget Harry Kane has actually genuinely missed a penalty for England before um, in 2016. Uh, in a pre in a pre tournament friendly before um, the Euros under Roy Hodgson, he took a penalty against Turkey um, at the Etihad. At, at the Etihad, crushed it yeah. off against a, off the post. Yeah, I've got a feel. I'm remembering that, and I've got a feeling I was behind the goal that day. Yes, I was. Yeah. Oh well, you're you're the curse. You need to stop coming to England games, <laughs> or just sit on the sidelines where uh, well, where there's no yeah. goal to be aimed at. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, you obviously had a uh, had a view of the the Kosovan penalty at the other end then. Yeah, I did. And I saw how close Pickford got and how angry he was with, uh, with himself that he hadn't saved it. But this is a bizarre situation for Jordan Pickford last night. He will go off, he, he's got, he went off the field having conceded three goals 
to a team that lost 6-0 to Croatia a few years ago. And yet, actually, he couldn't do anything about any of them. One of them was a penalty, and two of them were an absolute gift from his players. And I think he knows that. He, he must know that, that he didn't have a single chance with any of them. I mean, the, the players that were brought into the squad at the very beginning that, that had been sort of mentioned, uh, the new players, the, your Tyrone Mings, James Madison... Um, I think they were the two new players who didn't get an opportunity. Obviously, Mason Mount came on the pitch. Um, do you think that, that either two of those should have taken to the pitch at any stage? With the score getting closer and closer, do I think Tyrone Ming should have come on for his debut? Probably not, no. But mm. James Madison, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't, I'm surprised that he's further down in the pecking order than Mason Mount. I know that Mason Mount is a typical um, sort of... Um, youth system um, player sort of nurtured by the England age groups and nurtured by Chelsea whereas Madison's had to work his way up through transfers Norwich obviously now now at Leicester to get to this level but I, I actually think Madison at the moment I don't I think Mount's probably got more potential but I would say Madison is a better player at the moment I would have liked to see him get his debut over these games. I think a lot of a lot of England fans, and, it, and it's not England, you see it all over Europe, these people that get mad for Matthias De Litt or um, Kylian Mbappe. People take too much consideration over a player's age. Sometimes you just need to think, it's not about potential or how, how, how old they are, it's about who's the best player. So people who are slating Ross Barkley and saying that we should have Phil Foden starting, starting for, in every England game. Ross, Ross Barkley is a better player than Phil Foden. Phil Foden is, a, is really talented. He's young, he's exciting, and he'll get his chance if he keeps working hard under Pep Guardiola. But at the moment, Ross Barkley is a better player, and that's why he's being played for England. There may be some changes at the back. Michael Keane uh, or, or Harry Maguire. I mean, Joe Gomez has got to be sitting there thinking, mm, I could be uh, in with a chance here come the next qualifiers if I keep working hard. Yeah, Joe Gomez also, I think, deserved the game. Um, but actually, every time he's played for him, he doesn't put a foot wrong. He made his debut against, I think it was Germany in 2017, 0-0, played excellently, uh, started um, the following game, 0-0 with Brazil, got man of the match, had Neymar in his pocket for the entire game, um, played brilliantly in the Nations League third-place playoff to Switzerland in the, in the summer. And a couple of months before that, obviously, we sealed our place at the finals by beating Croatia 2-1 and his long throw led to our equaliser at Wembley. Um, so, yeah, Joe Gomez has already had a good international career and he's got a long one coming because he's so young. People still remember, I think he's 21 still, maybe, maybe even 20. So, um, I think 21. But, yeah, he's got um, a long England career ahead of him and he shouldn't worry that, that players like Michael Keane and Harry Maguire seem to be ahead of him at the moment because... Um, because he'll make his way in, don't you worry. Yeah, I think it'll be a, uh, an interesting squad come next month for the Czech Republic and uh, Bulgaria away. So if we win, I think if we win one more game, we are pretty much foot in the finals, I believe, next month. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, it's what you'd expect, isn't it? Mm. Our Euro 2016 qualifying group under, under Roy Hodgson was so easy, and we had that sewn up with three games to spare. I expect a similar story. It might not be three, but a similar story with this one where you've got it sewn up and you can use the last few games just to um, practice new methods, practice new tactics 
um, try try out new players, new formations, and that kind of thing is invaluable to to Gareth and his team because they don't have all that many international breaks left now until the tournament itself, and therefore they don't have that many games left. So yeah, it'd be good to see um, some exciting players playing for England in the next few uh, in the ne- in the next few games, next four qualifiers. But we'd also like to see our favourite players play. You, you don't want to see Harry Kane and, and Sterling. Um, and Maguire dropped for loads of games to try out new players. You want to see these players continue to have great international careers as well. And this is how the England manager gets all the uh, all the attention and, and the stick sometimes he gets that he has uh, hard decisions to make, doesn't he? He does, but that's yeah. a good thing because it means that he's got lots of players in his disposal. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading as well um, that there's the um, from one of the I think it's a, a northeast newspaper next year one of the pre-qualifier or probably pre-friendlies for next year is going to be played up at St James's Park which will be well, uh, interesting yeah it should be good I mean it's a brilliant stadium but um, I, I read that on the Northern Echo and um, uh, it, that is the Northern Echo and not the Southern Echo so they may they may be a bit biased on this thing <laughs> But um, no, I would fully support that. I think um, that's obviously a part of the country which is very, very passionate about football, very passionate about England and can't always make England games. So yeah, I fully support that idea. Yes, plus one that I haven't been to as well. So yeah, fingers crossed for that one. Uh, Website, englandfootball.org. Yeah, still going strong. Um, Still doing all my match reports for the England games. Still working on the interviews. Uh, most impressive people I've spoken to so far would be Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, Kenny Sansom, the ex-England international. Spoken to Henry Winter recently and various other people. Jonathan Panzo, England under-21s. So, yeah, keep keeping going with that. But my most popular articles tend to be my feature articles where I write about how England um, are getting on at the moment, where they're up to, how good other nations are doing. People tend to like that kind of mm. sort of... Um, deep analytical perspective good stuff well keep them coming i saw your uh, both reviews for the bulgaria game and the kosovo game as well so uh, yeah keep up keep up the good content uh, i aim to i will do <laughs> <laughs> good stuff and uh, yeah no doubt we will uh, we'll speak again yeah that would be brilliant It's my pleasure to welcome to the Three Lions podcast Andy Sachev, and he's speaking to us from somewhere in Bulgaria. Andy, I believe you're on holiday in Bulgaria. Yes, hello. Uh, I'm very glad to be on this podcast. It's a, it's a privilege. <laughs> welcome. Thank you for joining us. Where, whereabouts are you in Bulgaria at the moment? Uh, I'm near Varna, which is a big city in the Black Sea. Okay, but you're originally from Sofia, is that correct? Yes. Okay, so you're just having a having a little break there. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So you you saw the game uh, at Wembley. Uh, how did where did you see it? Where did you watch it? Uh, I watched it uh, on a TV at home. It was uh, broadcast on the national Bulgarian television. Of course, uh, the national team is playing, and it has to be on that channel so people can watch it. I see, and and was there a lot of excitement? Before the game, well, for some fans, uh, it was exciting because uh, they were playing. Where uh, our, our national team was playing against England, and it, it, it's actually a big deal for 
fans like us, but many people didn't expect much. Uh, they were uh, seeing us seeing a defeat. Some uh, notable players like Dimitar Berbatov said that uh, that anything anything is possible, and they could maybe could maybe done a draw. But uh, was that after the game or before uh, the game? The bef- before the game, before mm. the game, he did the uh, interview interview with uh, Betfair. I see. And so, obviously, the result was was four nil in England's favour. Did you think it would that four nil reflected the uh, the performance? Well, yes. Uh, uh, in this match, I saw uh, that the team has improved from past games. I saw that in some parts, the first 20 minutes were very good for the team before the mistake that we're going to talk about. I mean, there's much room for improvement. Our players are not world-class. They don't play in top five leagues, but I'm hoping that there's a little bit of younger side because uh, at the moment, players, eight players in the squad are over 30 years old. And... Um, Really, they should be retired, not right. playing at the right. at this level against a big team like England. I see. And okay, you mentioned about that first goal, uh, which really was a it was a real unfortunate mistake with with the goal kick, wasn't it? Trying to play out from the back and and it just didn't work for you, did it? I don't know what was Plamen Ilyev thinking. Because uh, I, I saw the pressure from England. I, I saw Sterling. I saw I saw Kane. I saw Rashford. They were closing down the position. And I was thinking that he will clear the ball. But I think they were nervous. nervous. They were uh, scared a little bit. And uh, they panicked a lot. And that was why that first goal has been taken. Because before that goal, they were... At, actually playing uh, very cool smoothly they were testing the opposition as england as well they they were testing bulgaria to see what will there be any surprises uh, are they going to be slow or fast and yeah and you, you did hold out uh, for the for the rest of the first half but it really was sort of backs against the walls at some stage you you had a whole defensive line uh at one point I, I counted all 10 outfield players right defending for their lives weren't they uh, well yes because um you have a limited striker like Harry Kane and uh who can take shots from any kind of place, as well as Sterling, Henderson, uh, Rashford, uh, they know how to score goals from these kind of ranges. And our players weren't prepared. They were prepared, but weren't prepared for uh, other mistakes that should, shouldn't should be in common. And the formation 4-5-1, I believe, if it was 4-4-2, we could see... Some attacks from Bulgaria, but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't see much. Uh, I saw Marcelino, who was the the attacker uh, at the team, who was closed down. He didn't have the ball. He didn't have a chance to shoot at Pickford. So the attack was very poor. It was entirely a, a bit park, a, a bit of a park of a bus. Yeah, <laughs> yes, as Jose Mourinho would say. 
Now, a, a message that, that I saw that, that you actually sent to myself um, with regards to the first penalty, you thought Marcus Rashford dived, didn't you? Yes, uh, I believe he, he dived because uh, Nikolai Budurov uh, was trying to, of course, Rashford was, was going to cross, but I just didn't see the contact at all. I just didn't see a contact. For the second penalty, which... As well, we're going to talk. Uh, I saw some clips, and I think it was actually a penalty. The second penalty, I, I don't, I can't remember the the Bulgarian player, but he he did certainly take Harry Kane's leg from him, underneath him, didn't he? Uh, well, uh, yes, uh, the player was uh, uh, Christian Dimitrov, the youngster who came actually in for the first guy, Nikolai Budorov, who made the first penalty. And actually, they both made the penalties, which is very <laughs> funny and unfortunate. Uh, but the second penalty was a penalty because Kane actually wanted to take a, a, a shot and uh, just Christian uh, put his leg on his leg and made the contact. I mean, Bulgaria had a couple of opportunities and, and in Credit to to Jordan Pickford. He didn't have a great deal to do, but he was um, when he was called into action from early in the second half. I think it was is it Wanderson who had a shot, and then there was the free kick from Popoff as well towards the end. Uh, so he had a couple of opportunities. Oh, absolutely! Uh, in the first half, we saw Pickford in action, uh, but the shots were very weak. Uh, Vanderson's uh, breakthrough into the defense, into the, I believe, in the left wing. He had the shot, but uh, he couldn't pass to anyone. And Ivalin Popov's free kick was very nice. It was very nice, but Pickford uh, was prepared, of course, for these kind of shots. Um, in the previous podcast, we spoke with Metody Shumanov, the, yeah. the Bulgarian journalist, um, and he mentioned the the two Brazilian players that are now um, nationalised to Bulgaria, one of them being Wanderson there, the other one Marcelino. And he said that there was a um, sort of a split in Bulgaria about the, the feeling behind these two Brazilian players. What, what are your thoughts on them? Well, I think uh, Wanderson played well and Marcelino think that uh, Kiro Despotov should have played uh, because when when he came, he got, had some chances, but he couldn't take them because of the strong English defense. But I don't think we should bring Brazilian players in the squad because in uh, it's not difficult for our nation to take foreign players a lot. I think they were for these positions they were Bulgarians to play. Right, I see. Now you you only play in the one game as a, a qualifier in this international break. Unfortunately, uh, it looks like you're, you're well. You're still remaining bottom of the group. Where where do you see Bulgaria going forwards? Uh well, it's very very hard to say. Now we have a, a friendly against Ireland, and I want to see in that game a different face. And of course. We need uh, a win, 100% win against Montenegro if we want to battle for the se- for the second place, which gives us uh, automatic qualification and the third at least for a playoff. Because it's obvious that England will finish first in this league. I mean, I'm nine, 100% sure. Obviously, 
England will be coming to Bulgaria. We're coming to Sofia next month in October. You're from Sofia um, as well. What, what can England fans look forward to seeing uh, and what will it be like in the ground? Well, uh, for the English, English fans, I would say that uh, they're going to a very beautiful city. Uh, the center of the city is actually just magnificent. Uh, I think they'll enjoy it. And they sincerely will enjoy the match in Sofia. And of course, the ground is perfect. It's uh, a top-level ground. It's the best ground in the country. Uh, and for the Bulgarian fans, uh, uh, as myself, I'm really happy that uh, England will be coming to Bulgaria. And I'm looking forward to, to take a picture, I'm hoping, or an autograph from, from many of the English players. Because uh, you're, I going, want... you're going to the game, are you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Great stuff. What, what England player are you hoping for an autograph from? I'm hoping an autograph from uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, Harry Kane, or mainly players from uh, Manchester Manchester United, because I I support them from a little age, and I would love to see, meet one of them. Well, I, I wish you all the all the very best of luck with that. You'll have to let us know if you manage to get an autograph or a uh, or a selfie with them. Andy, you're actually um, an artist, is that right? Oh, absolutely, yes. What's your What are you doing at the moment? At the moment, I'm drawing people with uh, retro shirts because I see that uh, this is uh, <clears throat> very. Uh, I, I I I like it. I. I draw players in uh, retro shirts. Uh, sometimes I, of course, make uh, any different graphic design, illustration, and I <clears throat> I really enjoy it. Okay, is is your work anywhere online that people can uh, see? I I have it on uh, Instagram. What well, what where can people find you on Instagram? My name is uh, Andy uh, with two Y's, then a dot and NC. Look forward to. It. I tell you, I'm going to go and find that and uh, and have a look. I know you're on Twitter as well. We'll uh, we'll link to you on Twitter so people can can follow you there. Oh, thank, thank you very, you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining us. And um, yeah, enjoy the game when England come to town. Oh, of course. Thank you. It's a privilege to be on, on such a podcast. Now, let's welcome to the Three Lions podcast from Kosovo. Hello to Albert Hashani. He is the host of the, the Twitter account at Kosovan Footy. Albert, hello there. Oh, Russell, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. We're speaking the day after the England against Kosovo game. Talk me through it. How was it for you? How was it? How how is Kosovo reflecting on that game a day later? First of all, in terms of football, it was absolutely brilliant game of football. As a spectator, as a neutral spectator, it was brilliant game of football, and that's very important for us at this moment. Since playing good football is really important in this country, you don't we don't actually go into things like get, uh, grabbing a positive result since. It's been like three years since we are member of international community like UEFA and FIFA. And to expect from us 
to go into Euros or or FIFA World Cup, it's I mean unbelievable. This is playing the dream, football. is it? Absolutely, playing good football. It's it's uh, playing foot good football. It's important, but grabbing those results, I mean, it's like you said, it's a dream. We are currently third, standing in our group, uh, one point behind Czech Republic. And I mean, it's oh, between us and Czech Republic for second place. How did you feel 34 seconds in when you scored? I, I To be honest, I missed the goal since I was tweeting, we are no. underway in Southampton. Oh, no. And my dad started screaming, we scored. And I... I I don't I don't actually have words to describe that feeling. I was just jumping and screaming and I, I just lose my mind. Where were you watching it? I was at home. I usually watch football at home since I want to have this comfortability that home gives to me. Mm. <laughs> Besides when we play in Pristina, I mean we, I, I I try to, to I try to follow our squad in the stadium. But it was as I say Dream. It was dream. It was dream. And then so soon going in into the lead, but then so quickly mistakes happened and, and England capitalised. Really, I think it was a game that was, was littered with mistakes that, that players capitalised on. But to, to be 5-1 down at half-time must have been a totally different feeling to that opening minute. Absolutely. It was so much ups and downs, scoring, conceding five, then going back into the game in second half. Oh, my God. I can't remember feeling like that as I felt after the first half since we lost against Croatia. If you remember, you know, second qualifying game for the FIFA World Cup, we played in Albania back in that time since our stadium was under reconstruction we traveled a lot just to follow our squad then going six, losing six nil i mean oh so, oh my god after the draw in finland we, we had a really good game our first competitive game against finland in turku we draw one one all that enthusiasm and losing six nil was oh my god this young squad i don't think we can we can go back into this but then we we went to lose all our matches then but we always believed in this squad because this is the youngest absolutely the youngest squad of europe the youngest national squad of europe and we believed in this squad and now they are showing it they're showing you the, the emotions from this squad coming through to the to the supporters as well absolutely i you can feel it you can feel it all this chemistry between players and the fans and they showed it last night in southampton and you can the, feel it in if you if you visit this country in november you can you you you're gonna see it you're gonna feel it i'm very much looking forward to it your supporters yesterday uh in the corner of the stand in southampton made made a lot of noise and made the atmosphere uh something really special last night yes a lot of positive response a lot of positive tweets we received a lot of positive tweets how does how has the the media in Kosovo reacted to it? I mean, they all praised the players. They all praised the player. They all gave credits to the response after the after the terrible first half. I mean, being five one down against England, 
and coming back in the second half and showing showing all that spirit that deserves credit. I I suppose that deserves credit, and yeah. media gave that credit to our national squad. Very much so. I mean, so second place up for grabs. Can you get that second place? I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt. Not just me, but entire country believes in this squad. And we showed we showed that last night against England. I mean, we are better side than Czech Republic. We beat them without five without five or without five key players. And maybe you forgot, but we played also last night without the likes of Rashica, of Werder Bremen, Arbertsenelio of Frames, Hekuran Kriziu, Herodin Scholla, and Benjamin Kolyoli. They are all starters in this eleven. They, they all start. If they are fit, they will start. And we played without them. And imagine what we're going to do against Czech Republic if Rashica is back, Shola is back, and Kololi is back since Zanelli and Kriziu will be out for for entire season. Exciting times ahead, I can see. And and if they're back for the for the England game in November, then it's going to be a, a very exciting game. But for England fans coming over to Pristina in November, what, what can they expect? What's Kosovo like briefly? You can expect the warmest possible welcome. I don't think England fans have ever witnessed such a welcome and you, you're going to witness it in November. I uh, As I'm informed, our football federation has allocated the entire south stand of our stadium to English fans, mm. which means around 2,200 seats, seats will belong to English to English fans. So it's going to be a real party. It's going, mm. it's going to be a real party. We're going to celebrate together. Love that. I I had an idea. I I I would like to invite the all English fans to exchange their tickets with our fans so we're going to sit together you don't have to stay in the south stand we're going we don't need to stay separated we we're going to i think we should stay together we we need to sit together let's keep Kosovo and english fans english flag together and let's it's, celebrate let's give a great example to the world it's it's a a very it's a very nice idea i we'll, we'll see if something like that comes off um i'm sure I'm sure the FAM and FIFA and UEFA may uh, may intervene, but I, I like the sentiment behind it. Um, tell us about the um, your Twitter account, which um, is now back up and running, which is Kosovan Footy underscore. Um, you, are you getting yes. a lot of traffic on there, and a lot of people are, are following you? Yes, uh, I created this account in 2016. Uh, I mean, it was different one since my f- original account is now suspended by Twitter, thanks to their strict rules. But now I created the other one, hoping that my original account will be back. I mean, is I, I wanted to I wanted to show the world our story. I wanted to show the world our talent and our success. Well, I think you can. It's safe to say you've done that, um, Albert. Thank you very much for joining us, and let's speak ahead of the game in November. Hopefully, we're going to meet here in Pristina, and we're going to talk together. Look forward to it. We'll uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, thanks, Russell.
as promised, we'll go through all those England results from the international period. Uh, we know about the men's seniors, we've just been speaking about those, but let's uh, go back to the 3rd of September when the Lionesses went over to Norway. Georgia Stanway got the early opener, only her second Lionesses goal on a cracking strike from just outside the box before Norway equalised with another set-piece corner, just as they'd conceded against Belgium. And then, with two minutes left, Norway got the winner in Bergen. Now, the Lionesses were missing key players, Jordan Nobbs, Ellen White and Jill Scott, to name three. But I think putting Lucy Bronze in midfield, I'm not sure this is an option going forward, as surely this is going to be one of uh, Jordan Nobbs's position once fully recovered. Now, Phil Neville was in the news on a couple of occasions, being touted as the future USA manager following the resignation of Jill Ellis. And he was also quoted as saying the following, I have a vision that nobody else has. I've got bravery that no other coach has probably had. So do you know what? Thank you, lucky stars, I'm here. Here to stay, and I'm going to keep improving. I've got a long way to go, but with the set of players we've got, and my philosophy, I think we can go a long way. I live and breathe it, and I never have a bad day. Very strange, boastful comments. The sort we'd expect from the likes of, say, Jose Mourinho or maybe Jurgen Klopp. Anyway, at half-time of the Norway game, the FA announced that Brazil would be England's next opponents, and this will be played the 5th of October at Middlesbrough's Riverside Stadium, which is shortly before the Lionesses host Germany at Wembley in November. So that was the Lionesses game where they went down 2-1 to Norway. Now I think this is where we're going to need the Vidi Printer sound effect. The men's under-21s, Friday the 6th of September, in a Euro 21 qualifier, England travelled to Turkey. Watch this one online, where it's in quite an intimidating atmosphere, which is the sort of thing you'd expect in Turkey. Ended Turkey 2, England 3. Eddie Nketiah scored twice, then Reese Nelson got the winner. A few days later, Monday the 9th of September, England 2, Kosovo 0, played up at Hull. Two goals from Manchester City's Phil Foden made it two wins from two. How long will it be before Mr Foden makes it into Gareth Southgate's 23, 24, 25, however many he, uh, he chooses for the next squad? Now the under-20s. Thursday the 5th of September, played in Shrewsbury, England nil, Netherlands nil. From what I can gather, not a great deal to really say about that one. Uh, then the 9th of September, Monday night, Switzerland nil, England won. A last-minute goal from Jack Clark, who's on loan at Leeds from Spurs. And the men's under-19s. England 3, Greece 1. This was on the 5th of September, played up at St George's Park. Goals from Daniel Adshed of Norwich, Ryan Edmondson of Leeds and a penalty from captain Thomas Doyle from Manchester City saw off a physical Greek side who had opened the scoring. 
And then on Monday the 9th of September, England travelled to Germany for a friendly uh, where they went down by a goal to nil. Now the men's under-18s, Friday the 6th of September, played at Leicester Road Football Club. England 3, Australia 2. Alex Mighton of Nottingham Forest scored a hat-trick as England came from behind in a four-team tournament, this. They then went on to play Brazil uh, at Hednesford in on Sunday the 8th of September. Drew that one all. However, Brazil then went on to win 4-2 on penalties. And then on Tuesday the 10th of September at Alfredton Town, England beat South Korea 2-0. Now, this one. The under-17s in a tournament called the Serenka Cup, hosted in Poland, England got off to a great start, beating Finland by five goals to nil. That was on Friday the 6th of September. All these games played in Poland. They then went on to play Austria, beating them 4-2. Then they played the hosts, Poland. They drew 2-2. They then won 3-1 on penalties, Goalkeeper Connor Boyce-Clark was the young Lions penalty hero, saving two whilst Lewis Dobbin, James Norris and Jaden Raymond netted for England to ensure a 3-1 penalty scoreline. Uh, this comes after the game had ended 2-2. Harvey Elliott and Jamal Masala uh, got the goals before Poland got back into the game. So the under-17s picked up the Serenka Cup. Congratulations to those boys and manager Kevin Betsy. Perhaps they'll get the chance to parade the trophy around Wembley for the Montenegro game in November. So remember some of those names. Connor Boyce-Clark, James Norris, Lewis Dobbin, Jaden Raymond, Harvey Elliott, Jamal Masala. They could be the players of the future. And they've already got their hands on some England silverware. There, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. What an international break it's been. Thanks to Andy from Bulgaria. Albert from Kosovo and Dom Smith. You'll find all their contact details over on our Twitter page. Just check that pinned tweet. You can find that at Three Lions Podcast. Once again, if you've enjoyed it, please do give us a thumbs up on your chosen podcast provider and do tell your mates, go and spread the word around. I would be more than appreciative. Thank you very much. We are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and also Three Lions Podcast. Normal football now resumes. I hope your club side does as well as England have. We'll speak again soon. Until then, cheers. <laughs>